Hey, Willow Campus, Church on the Rock, it is such a joy to be here today and to be uh, in fellowship with you that are serving Jesus and love God and are wanting to grow in a relationship with Him and to be with so many great missionaries and statesmen uh, here today. I want to, we got a few pictures I want to show you in the beginning of this presentation just to follow up with this, our expansion of the Mepi Bible Academy uh, and you can see that it's getting closer to being finished. Actually, um, you see these pictures of the outside and then the ceiling tiles going in. They've wrapped that up. The electrical is finishing right now, and they're going to start tiling the floors uh, in just next week. And then we'll be using it when I go back November, December for our year-end conference, where we bring people in from all over the jungle, as far away as Brazil and Ecuador, Colombia, all throughout Peru, and we'll have anywhere from 500 to sometimes 900 of these pastors and leaders from our churches. And it's a great joy to celebrate with all the distinctions of these tribal people and how they express themselves in their worship to God. And it does something for my soul. So I want to I wanna thank you for this. And then I'll be going also in January and February to both the Kandoshi and the Shawi tribe to uh, take a medical team, we'll have a conference, we'll have miracle nights, and uh, just to encourage them, I'm so blessed that with those tribes in the last nine years, uh, indigenous tribal leaders that were once chiefs have been saved, they were baptized, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and we believe that it's the Holy Spirit's job to give them the wisdom of how to separate out all of the things in a culture that might not be good. You see, in culture, there is good in every culture. There is evil in every culture. There's a wonderful diversity of culture. But how many know Jesus came to redeem culture because there are people in every culture of the world? And one day, from all tribes and nations, we will be worshiping Jesus together. And so we believe as they're empowered with the Holy Spirit, God gives them the wisdom to unpack all of that, of what is idolatry and what isn't right. But I want to tell you, it's a joy to see them express themselves in praise and worship, and I'm excited to be going back there. And so that's our project for this upcoming year to, that we're requesting to help with that, those tribal outreaches. And so I do want to say, uh, I want to show a picture here of uh, my, grand, my latest grandkids that were born here, Benaya and Bridger, to Paul and Emily. Numbers eight and nine, and Lorraine couldn't be with us today. She had to drive furiously to Homer uh, yesterday, and it looks like tomorrow my oldest daughter, Larissa, will have her third boy. That'll be number 10. And uh, so just to let you know, so my wife and I decided this last year, we sold our house in uh, Washington near Portland, Oregon, and uh, we're relocating back to the last frontier, Alaska. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out and sneaking out to Willow Chapel, which is now Church on the Rock. It used to be my home church years ago, and to be here with Pastor Steve and all of you uh, in the future. And so we're excited about this, and that's a major transition for us. Our theme is uh, generations, and specifically that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us today. You know, the indwelling, or what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is paramount to accomplishing the mission of Jesus. You know, the less Holy Spirit, the more cake and coffee we need to keep functioning in the church, right? 
The less Holy Spirit, the more programs we come up with. The the less Holy Spirit, the more committees and the more policies and the more bureaucracy and the more institutionalized the church becomes. The less Holy Spirit in the church, the more we just focus on social injustice. Now, I want to say I am about all of those things, all right? I am all for uh, meeting the need of social injustice. I'm all about even fixing up the church and making it modern looking and having a great worship band that plays instruments, and I'm all about a good program and good policies, but I want to tell you what is first and foremost has to be the fire of God, the indwelling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to say I am an incurable believer in the power of the Holy Spirit, and I do not want to be cured anytime soon of that. And so it's a time of change and transition for my wife and I. Maybe you're going through some changes and transition in your life. Now, change and transition are not the same thing. Changes will happen, and they will constantly happen. They are events that take place. But transition is processing through the change. Change is the external situation that becomes different. Change is you graduate high school. Change is you get married. Changes you have children and you get a new job and changes your kids leave the house, right? And that's a big change, but transition is the internal and the psychological process that we have to go through to adjust through those changes. And the great challenge is so many get stuck in those transitions, especially when the changes can bring up negative emotions. We lose somebody dear and and we're just feel, filled with grief. And, uh, you know, somebody does us wrong and we stay locked in unforgiveness and bitterness. And we can't make it through the transition to move forward with our lives. And so I want to challenge you to get through the transitions. You know, so many people, they allow the past to become their whipping post, you know. Everything in the past was wrong. And and uh, man, things were just terrible back then, and, and it's only about what is happening today, and because there's so much bitterness and unforgiveness of maybe even how they were wrong, but they couldn't transition through that with the power of the Holy Spirit. But many people, make, they make the past their prison. They get locked into the way that God was moving in the past, and, and they want it to be like the good old days, you know, back when we were just in the strip mall, Church on the Rock. Man, I just miss those good old days, and I miss what God was doing there. I want to tell you what, some of you are forgetting that we had a lot of battles to fight. There was a devil that was coming against us in those days, and don't allow the past to become a prison. Don't get hung up. Move forward with the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many remember when Blockbuster was the gorilla of the movie rentals? Remember that? And there was a guy that got sick of paying those late fees. He got charged $40 in late fees, and he got so ticked off, and he was a computer genius and and had technology, and so he set up a subscription service because he was upset with it. And that little company started growing and growing, a little company by the name of Netflix. And finally, one day, they started, with his technology, he started streaming the services, and he would allow people to have the first of the subscriptions for a month and you pay just one fee and there was no late fees. And the CEO went in to the board of Blockbuster and said, we've got to get in on this subscription thing, but 
The, the board said, no, we'll lose 16% of our revenue, $800 million we'll lose. We can't give that up. And because they couldn't make it through the transition, because they couldn't be led with where the world was going, now there's only one blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. I've been there and seen it. Only one in the world. But how much more for those of us that need to be led by the Holy Spirit to be effective in missions and ministry? And so transition is important, but transition isn't just the final end all. Transition is about doing, but I want to tell you, we want to be transformed because transformation is about becoming like Jesus. Amen? And if we're not transformed by the Spirit of God, we will be conformed by the world. And so Lorraine and I have been so blessed to be connected to Church on the Rock and here in Willow uh, as well. I love coming here. And one of the values I love is this is a presence-driven church. You know, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere, but he is not manifesting himself everywhere in the world. When I travel, there's not that special, unique anointing that comes as, as, as God's people gather in some places. There's two words for time in the Greek. The first is chronos. It is quantitative. It's the, it's the, it is time. It's a timeline. It, it's what time does church start at first service at nine o'clock? David, 8.30 is the run-through, and I showed up about nine minutes late, I think, today for the run-through. It's, honey, you were supposed to pick up the kids at school at 3 p.m., and you're like, oh, no. It was years ago when I was supposed to help officiate a wedding, and I was running marathons, and I went out to do a little training run, and I'm heading back to the house all sweaty in my shorts, and my wife calls me and says, where are you at? The wedding is starting in five minutes, and my soul left me in that moment. I thought, man... I am the worst failure as a pastor ever. <laughs> Kairos is qualitative. It is the appointed time in the purpose of God. Kairos time is a time when God acts. It is, Kairos is pregnant with possibility. It is a moment in the Holy Spirit where your whole life gets transformed. I was talking with my son-in-law, Paul Sliwad. We were reminiscing back to 2010 at a youth conference that happened in Anchorage, and the reason I remember this so specifically is it was a youth conference that the Assemblies of God puts on every year, and two of my daughters were in there at that conference with Paul, and while they were there as it was wrapping up, my daughter Emily saw this prophetic painting going on, and she said, hey, Jesse and Paul, let's go check this out, and next thing you knew, they got ushered into this back room, and Paul said as they walked into the room where leaders were praying for students, he said the presence of God was so thick, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his whole life trajectory changed from that moment. Jesus and Paul use the word kairos a lot. It is the appointed time in Romans 9.9, talking about Sarah. At the appointed time I will return, God says, and Sarah will have a son. With Kronos, we count our years, but with Kairos, we make our years count. And I share this because I truly believe there's been so much expectation in my soul for the theme of this conference. And uh, I believe this is a Kairos moment we are in, in Church on the Rock. God is moving, His Spirit is descending, and many are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer today is that if you're here, no matter what your past is, no matter what took place this week, that you would have a timeless moment with God. The way Isaiah saw him in the year King Uzziah died, 
the king of Judah for 52 years, and it was a major transition, and he saw the throne room of God and the seraphim, and they were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And holy simply means there is no equal to our God. And we have this gift, the Holy Spirit. I want you to travel with me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. And I want you to travel with me in your minds to the setting and what sets this up. We have the Gospels that are written. And, you know, if it just ended at the end of the Gospels with Jesus resurrecting from the, the dead and and then ascending to heaven, even as we see in the very beginning of Acts. And, and that was it. And we were sitting there with our popcorn and our Swedish fish, watching this movie play out. And then the credits start rolling. It would be, it would be a bummer, wouldn't it? But thank God we have the book of Acts that shows us what continues in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus ascends and the disciples are just staring, watching him go up and I could just see Jesus going up, and he's like, really, guys? You're supposed to go to Jerusalem to wait for the promise. And so he sends some angels down, and they tap him on the shoulder. Hey, guys, you know, you got to go there. And their last question to Jesus was, is it now the hour? When is it going to be that you are going to establish your kingdom? And I can just see Jesus going, oh, man, that's it. I'm out of here. And he tag teams the Holy Spirit, and, the Holy, and he says, you get him for a while now, Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God comes down and fills these disciples. And it was a radical, a radical day of Pentecost, a radical time where a wind is a sound of a rushing mighty wind blows through the, the building and, and cloven tongues of fire come upon them and they start speaking in other tongues. And there was so many gathered from many different nations and these other people heard them declaring the greatness of God in their own language. And then Peter gets up to preach. Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 21, and then verses 37 to 39. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord." And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't you so glad it's about grace? Yeah. And the key thing is just to believe in Jesus and to call on his name. Then verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift. Everybody say the gift, the gift. of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let's pray over these scriptures that we've read. So Father, we come to you and 
the mighty name of Jesus, and I pray, let this message, O oh God, be preached in love today and in mercy and in truth, and also in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Let it be a blessing to the hearers today, O oh God, and let it be food to the hungry and seed to the sower, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, Jesus, in your majestic name, and Willow Campus Church on the Rock shouts, Amen. You know, Peter's experienced some tremendous change and transition and also transformation in just a short period of time. He goes from having denied Jesus three times when Jesus was in his midnight hour and, and Jesus restores him and he repents and he receives forgiveness and Jesus reestablishes him as the leader of the disciples. And, you know, so many people... I've heard preachers say that the, the thing that changed the disciples was when they saw Jesus resurrected. But I want to tell you, they were still clueless. They were still doubting. They were still asking questions about when is your kingdom coming again? When it changed for the disciples was when the Spirit of God descended and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Our theme for the five generations for this conference is about the generations, and it's about a promise, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say God's promise comes on two levels. There are the recorded promises that we read about in God's Word, and then there are the applied promises in our experience. This is where the Holy Spirit takes a principle, He takes a truth, and He lifts it off the page, and He applies it to our heart and our mind. The promise becomes a reality, and this experience is the most important of all promises so that you and I can be empowered to be effective witnesses in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be empowered for effective ministry. So I concur wholeheartedly with Pastor Jonathan Walker the first night, I think somewhere maybe after the fire tunnel experience or before, and I don't know where, but he had shared that the, the one thing that is a constant denominator when people in, in the Bible are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit is that they have boldness and courage. It comes to make them bold for the Lord, and, and it makes them be somebody that is willing to do something that they would not do before. But I see another common denominator because when I read the book of Acts, Every time, it's a little bit of a different experience. One time, it doesn't say what fully happened. The other times, it says they spoke in tongues. Another one, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Another one, they spoke in tongues and they magnified God. And so when you speak in tongues, when you prophesy, or if you're filled and you are magnifying God, another denominator is that that gift is a vocal gift. It is something, you become a voice for the Lord. It's something that is expressed through speaking. Maybe you've heard this saying, preach the gospel, and when and if necessary, use words. Anybody ever heard that quote? That, that is bad theology. I know what they're trying to say, that it's important, the, the life you live and, and the actions that we do, but I want to tell you, we need to be a voice today because we live in a culture that wants to silence the voice of the gospel. And so we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. I want to tell you, I'm so thankful that I was introduced to the Holy Spirit through my parents. <laughs> you know, it goes way back in, in my timeline, as far back as the stories I know specifically is 
with my father at age, he was 10 years old and 10 year old boy and his grandmother had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and so had his, his great grandfather and his great great grandfather. And there was a revival taking place in the early 1950s in the center uh, city of Philadelphia. And this country white short preacher from uh, Tennessee moved there and God called him and he started preaching with fire and the Holy Spirit. And they had to rent out the old Metropolitan Opera House. They would have three services, could have 7,000 in every service. And my dad was told, he'd read about the newspaper. He asked his grandmother, she said, yeah. And he found a way, him and his friend, they would get done at the Alliance Church where they lived on the outskirts of Philadelphia. He would have to take two different trains to make it every service, every Sunday to get there to see what God was doing. And my dad was super sick with asthma as a child and he had other issues too, but uh, but super sick as a child, and they were, he was getting shots a few times a week, and his health was getting worse. And after a few years of going there, one day as he's hearing uh, the pastor uh, sharing about healing, he decided, he goes, you know what, this can be for me. And he stood up, and as that pastor prayed, he was instantly healed of that asthma. He went to the doctor, and the doctor told me, he said, well, it looks like you grew out of your asthma. He told the doctor, well, if I did, it happened in one moment in a church service at the Met just this last Sunday. <laughs> Pastor's name was Theo Jones. He had a tremendous gift of healing. My father talked about before there was ever any understanding of like people being slain in the spirit. My dad was there as a kid, and Theo Jones got so tired of praying for people. He just said, all of you stand up in a line. 400 people got up in a line. He laid his hands on the first person. And my dad said, they just went down like dominoes through the place. You know what? My dad is still preaching the gospel 67 years later. Because at age 14, he went forward and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God gave him a voice. And he preached in his high school back in the days when you were allowed to do that. And have those kind of Bible clubs and and do that sort of thing, and he would go to Bible school and then to the jungle. And I'm so thankful for the heritage I have. But the promise, it says, is for you. It is for me. Say, it's for me. When I read this, I realize it's for me, and I have a unique individual calling where God wants to send me to be an effective witness, and he has one for you. I'm so glad for my friend Gary Lewis because God sends him into the prisons of Alaska, and he gets to be a voice where some of us are not going to be a voice. I'm thankful for what's happening with the Fosters and their ministry over in Belgium. And even I think there's been other ministry in Europe you've had, I remember in the past, and, and you've trained up leaders and, and those leaders are being a voice to those that are hurting that need Jesus. So thankful for the angels and their ministry, what they're doing and what God's doing in their family and raising up another generation. The promise is for me. My friend, Pastor Darren Freeman from Arkansas, just last week was in Iquitos, Peru with a, a small team that he had brought, and they were in a, the village of Monacamiri, one of our longest uh, going churches, one where there's been so many disciples raised up and sent out from and churches planted from, and um, he was there on a Sunday morning, and in walks a 70-year-old man by the name of Lorenzo Manu Mama, and he he had gotten saved as a boy when my parents were there and one of the outreaches they did, but had a rough family life. He's, he walked away from the Lord his entire life and the first time after 50 some years walks into the doors of the church. And there's crazy Pastor Darren Freeman playing his trumpet 
and, and, and playing the music. And then the youth pastor of the church shared a message. And I want to tell you, the Spirit of God descended and the Holy Spirit got a hold of Lorenzo at age 70. And, and Darren was telling me, this man has been transformed and is on fire. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how long maybe you've walked away from an experience you might have had years ago. I realize many people at some time that God is calling, they have an experience even as a child, maybe through a relative, through somebody that brings them to church and Tragically, many times they walk away, but I want to tell you, you can stir up the gift of God in you today. The fire of God can fall on you. It's not just for me, but our text says it's the promises for your children. You know, and I know the research today, I know uh, the tragedy of it. I was just uh, on a Zoom call with a man that's developed a really good ministry for uh, churches to make disciples in the U.S., and I was uh, hearing about it, and we were talking about the statistics of these most current generations that Gen Z, in 2019, only 10% of them were being reached by the church in the United States. And since all the COVID and all the upheaval we've had, that has dropped down to 8%. And the millennials are just a tad above that. And you can see those things. And, and yes, there's a challenge, but I want to tell you, I'm not in despair because I know that God is on the move. And Jesus said, if you believe in me, that on this rock, when you have a revelation of who I am, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. He is building his church. And although darkness is prevailing in some quarters, the church of Jesus Christ is shining brightly. And what we need, the strategy we need for these generations isn't a better marketing plan. It's not for us old preachers to try to wear skinny jeans. That wouldn't work for some of us at all. Anyway, I want to tell you, the strategy is we need to pursue and invite the Holy Spirit more than ever. You know, the Holy Spirit, He's the wonderful counselor. He is the divine strategist. And we end up in situations where we don't know what to do. This happens all the time in my life and in ministry. And I want to tell you, you can't just try to run with your own understanding and knowledge. We need his wisdom. A few years ago when the COVID thing happened in Washington, and I was at that time Church on the Rock Battleground. Some of you have been there. It was my home church. And I had been asked to serve on the board for a few years to help through the transition from Pastor Bill Courtney to Pastor Brad Worry. And COVID hits and Man, our governor, uh, I'll just say he wasn't as nice as yours. I'll just put it that way. I'll, I'll try to be as pleasant as I can. Uh, he was running neck and neck with a few other governors, you know, for, I'll just leave it alone, all right? <laughs> and uh, made it really hard on the churches. You know, statements like, if you try to not follow any of the mandates and we discover somebody that can trace that they died from COVID to your gathering, to what took place, you'll be brought up on criminal charges for murder. And so you can imagine what took place. Many of the churches shut down for a few weeks. You know, we were meeting online and we didn't know what to do. We got together and we just got together like some just kids crying out to their dad, God, Father, Holy Spirit, we don't know what to do. You have to show us what to do. And in that time, one of the men of the church had a construction guy had bought this big plot of land. They'd cleared it all up, and, but somebody thought, we just need to leave one barn there, just this one old barn. And so what happened was, at that time, then the governor allowed for outdoor church to take place. <laughs> 
and with cars driving up. And so we had outdoor church. There was cars. There was people spread out. It was called Dirt Church. And if you've ever been to the state of Washington, you try to do Dirt Church for six months from you know, May into November, uh, you're thinking you're going to have a lot of rain days. It never rained once on a Sunday in those six months. The church started growing. People started gathering and coming. Even the sheriff and the police chief came, and we thought, oh, this is it. They're going to shut us down. He said, hey, I need the mic. He gets up, and he says, hey, I want to thank this church for the way you've honored our police here in Battleground, Washington, and said, God bless you, and he walked away and left with his car. And so then we get back, and the, the church building now is too small. The church is growing. We can't fit back in the old building, and you'd have to only put like 40 people at a time anyway. And and so what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, hey, find a tent because the governor had, you know, the Holy Spirit can work even when somebody's resisting God, right? The Holy Spirit, and so the governor made a little thing. We noticed that churches were put in with restaurants for outdoor services. They could have tents actually at this point. And so we rented a tent, then realized we better just buy it because we could pay it off in six months more than the rent. So the tent went up, and we had tent church, and that's been going on now for the last couple of years. And now the church there has grown from 300 to over 1,000 people gathering every week. I think some of us need to quit trying to just do things. I'm so bad at this myself, and many times I struggle in it, and then somebody or the the Lord will use somebody else, or the Holy Spirit intervenes, and I remember it's about Him. The promise is also for all who are afar off, not just our children, but those who are in other places of the world. And this is what we call world missions, global missions. I'm going to show you these pictures we have of some of our uh, Peru. This is Raimundo and Marina Navarro. They've been great leaders for us. Pastor Raimundo has been responsible for over 100 churches being planted in his ministry. Marina has directed our Bible schools. Um, they went to Urimaguas, a city we started working in about four years ago. And he, had a, he has a vision to plant churches with the Shawi tribe right now in that area to develop a training center. Here's uh, six of the seven um, tribal groups from the Datem de Marañón region, 2,300 villages represented amongst these tribes. And uh, we work with six of the seven right now in this area. Back in 2012, we started working there. We had one church. Today, we have over 80 churches established and many more uh, new, what we call annexes, you know, beginning fledgling churches. This is the, the, one of the first uh, sessions for this uh, special Bible school for indigenous people groups. It's targeted for them in a way that it works. We have one-month sessions. They have a break, then they can come back to another month, and that goes on throughout the year. I keep showing these photos. This is one of our Shawi evangelists that's also working with Raimundo. He's graduated our Bible school in Iquitos. He's up there now, and Raimundo is discipling him and taking him with him on the rivers, and he's going to be released at the end of this year to be the evangelist on the Paranapuda River to all these unreached Shawi villages. These are some of the women. Shawi uh, people are still mainly an audio learning uh, culture. Uh, most of the women are not educated or very little education. Hopefully that's changing with this new generation. So it's great to get them the Bible where they can hear it uh, because many of them don't even read Shawi. I want to stop on this picture. I'm going to tell you the story. So this Shawi woman, her name is Yolanda, and uh, it's the last village on the Paranapuda River, the village of Chayoyute 
And as you get to the headwaters and you have to walk over an hour in to get this village and uh, Raimundo had heard about this and somebody invited him. So he went there and he held an outdoor meeting. They set up just some benches and some people gathered and he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and talking about the power of the Holy Spirit and that God heals, he saves, he delivers. And this lady, uh, she was there, she'd had some wood that had gone up her splinters, big splinters had gone up her hand, her hand had got infected terribly and the infection had gone up her hand, up into her arm, it was swollen and, and all kinds of infection was in it. And she came up and she asked him, she said, uh, you said that God heals and will you pray for me? And he told her, he said, well, I will, but the first, the greatest miracle is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to receive his Holy Spirit. And he goes, do you want to receive Christ as your Savior? She said, yes. And he prayed with her and right away she said, okay, but I want my arm prayed for. And he took out his Bible and he said, this Bible, this book, he took a literal Bible. He said, this book has power in it the power of the words of Jesus, and those words could heal you, and that gospel can heal your body. And so he prayed for her, and she, he gave her the Bible. She went home that night, and she laid that Bible down next to her, and, and she put her arm on the Bible. She literally, she took his words literally, that the Bible will heal her hand. When she woke up in the morning, she got up, and all the bandaging she had fell off of her, and her arm was totally healed. All you can see on her hands is the the, wheat, uh, the fruit from the witu um, tree that the women use to decorate themselves, and they put it on their feet as well. Arm totally healed, and then Raimundo found out she doesn't read too good, so he got her uh, an audio Bible as well. I want to tell you, we serve a God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is doing great things all over the earth. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 10. I want you to see this. When I call to remembrance, Paul is writing to Timothy this special letter. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. We have a grandmother, Lois, here today. And your mother, Eunice. It was also in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded it is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. How many know it's all about Jesus and his calling and his grace? But it's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We need to get a vision. I, the reason we're coming back is because the Lord put this vision in Lorraine and I for what is our third generation. If I'm a first generation, you know, from my timeline down, my kids were second generation for the third generation, these grandkids. I, I want to be there to influence them. I'll tell you, I love Church on the Rock in Alaska, and I love doing activities, and I miss when I grew up in Hatcher Pass and Willow and causing all kinds of shenanigans up there and all kinds of problems. Uh, you know, I, I love Alaska, but man, I tell you what, there's some other nice places out there, and you get a little more sunshine. It was 91 degrees just yesterday down where I used to live. generational blessings. 
need to remember what your grandpa had. You need to take hold of what your granny had, of what your mother had. You know, if generational curses can be passed down, and we see that when we deal with the brokenness of the world, I want to tell you generational blessings can be handed down as well. Remember the same spirit, the same power and anointing is in you and the gift of the spirit. Timothy, that spirit was in Lois, your grandma and Eunice, your mother, and now it's in you. And you need to stir up that gift that is in you. And I think some here today need to hear that, to stir up the gift, to be a voice, to be an effective witness for the Lord. And to get a a vision, my heart today is that each of us, we would get a vision for the generations to come. Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission, but they tell the story of his great-grandfather, James Taylor, that he was getting ready to be married, and a couple days before his wedding, he heard the great preacher, John Wesley, preach a sermon titled, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that message bothered him so much that the day before his wedding, he got on his knees and he started asking the Lord. And and on the day of his wedding, he actually surrendered his life to Christ and he was praying and the Spirit of God was moving on him. And he was late, they say, to his own wedding because he was getting saved and filled with God's Spirit. Oh, he was, you know, that whatever they called it back then, a honeymoon or whatever, I don't know. But it took him a couple of weeks to win his wife to the Lord. And and they became zealous for the work of God, and he became a lay Methodist preacher, and he had sons that grew up and became lay Methodist preachers, and those sons had sons that became lay Methodist preachers, and one of those was the father of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor would hear his dad pray every day, who had a burden for China, God, would you send missionaries to China? Would you raise somebody up? And at age six, little Hudson Taylor said, I'm going to go to China, and Although he would stray for a while at 17 years of age, he would surrender his life to God. And at age 21, he would sail on a ship and found the China inland missions where the gospel penetrated into China. And today they tell me, I remember about 15 years ago, I heard there was still one of the generations of the tailors serving in Thailand, nine generations, talking about getting a vision. And it just doesn't have to be doing mission work around the world because God has unique assignments for every one of us here today. You know, some of us are going to raise kids. Some of my children, my one daughter, she works doing healing work in the hospital, Jesse. My son works on the slope and he's driving trucks up there. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for all of my children, you know, no matter where God has placed them, wanting to be a minister of the gospel. But the generational strategy by the enemy You have to see this is a spirit of fear. Timothy, you need power and and, and, and a sound mind. You don't need fear in your life. And I want to tell you, you can't just rebuke fear. You have to replace it with the power and the faith of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to the mission of God, we cannot be armchair quarterbacks. Jesus isn't an armchair quarterback. You know, NFL season has started and I got back from hunting and I was watching Monday night, my team play, and I was freaking out at the end because we were throwing the game away. And ah, I was, oh no, and man, I just know better than the coach and the players. And my dad told me, Dave, settle down. They're going to win. And sure enough, they did win. <laughs> Jesus, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's giving intercession 
for us. He has this ministry of a mediator, and he's the fulfillment of the prophetic word given in Genesis 3.15, where it says the serpent will strike his heel, but he will crush the serpent's head. And when he was nailed in his, on the cross through his feet, the serpent had, had bruised his heel. But I want to tell you, when he was put in that tomb and he resurrected, he went in to hell, through hell's gates and he holds the keys of hell and death and he crushed the serpent's head. So I want to ask this last question, what are you passing on? What are you passing on? It's not are you passing something on, but what are you passing on? Psalm 78, 1 to 7, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter things, things from of old, things we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And we can have the worship team make their way up. His power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and, not, and would not forget his deeds. I want to tell you our children are a heritage, they're not a hindrance. I want you to stand with me and I want to pray. And my, my heart has this prayer that's been echoing in my spirit all week praying out, God, save the family. God, give us a vision for my generation and the next generation and those to come. And God, I need a fresh baptism today, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, a, a new experience in you, oh God, a demonstration and a reality of the power of God. If you're here today and you want to experience fresh fire in your soul the way that Jeremiah talks about that fire that was within him, and he said, my heart burns like a fire. And Jeremiah didn't even want to speak the words of God. He said, but I cannot hold it in. I have to let these words out because of the fire of God. If you need courage and boldness, you need to stir up that gift of the Holy Spirit, just raise your hands right now to heaven and in an act of surrender to Jesus. So Lord, I pray today for these here that are gathered in this 9 a.m. service, God, you see the hunger in our souls, and God, there's an expectation, the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, and God, your grace, your power is never just separated by itself, but you choose to pour it into people, into us, your vessels, oh God, men, women, the elderly, the young. There's no distinction by race, by gender. So God, we declare that dreams will be had, visions will be seen, prophecy will take place. God, these generations will speak in unknown tongues, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. And God, that we will be a voice. <laughs> a voice to praise you and a voice to magnify you and to declare your gospel boldly to others. Jesus, we want to be effective witnesses the way Peter was, the way the disciples were. We need you more than ever in this current generation, oh God. 
Lord, as we worship you in this next song, just descend with your glory as we lift our voices to you and baptize us afresh as we worship you collectively. Jesus.